Anybody watch that game last night, or is there too much Jacob Truba still involved in the process for you to tune in? I did, and I got to tell you, well, that's what I'm going to tell you today. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. Lightning beat the Rangers 4-1 to last night in downtown Tampa and evened the Eastern Conference Final at two games apiece. This happening, of course, while the Avs are resting up in Denver. Feet up, everyone chilling, undoubtedly hoping that the two Eastern teams Beat the living snot out of each other in advance of the final. This is this is what I was thinking in watching this game last night. It's twofold, really. One, the Penguins could have arguably, don't bite my head off for this, should have won the Eastern Conference. Now, I could say that with a little bit of conviction anyway. You can tell I'm kind of hesitating, right? After how the Penguins performed in the first round overall and the fact that they had the Rangers in a 3-1 series count with an AHL goaltender. Penguins remained the only team that consistently wore down New York's defense. Penguins remained the only team that flustered Igor Shesterkin Really, as I saw it, beyond the AHL goaltending, the one significant shortcoming that the Penguins had is special teams. And I probably shouldn't count that as one. That should be two, because their power play didn't convert anywhere near enough against the Rangers, and their penalty kill wasn't effective enough. So I don't mean to make this sound like, ooh, the Penguins dominated the Rangers or whatever else here. The Rangers had their moments. The Rangers were the ones responsible for all those comebacks that they ended up making in games five, six, and seven. AHL goaltending, sure, but not in game seven. Tristan Jari was out there. So it was a good series and ended up being a close competitive series because of the way the Rangers came back. Overall, from the skating standpoint, meaning the skaters, not the goaltenders, the Penguins were the better team. Where the Lightning is concerned, that's more complicated. Because what you've seen now in this conference final, in these past two games, is that the Bolts have risen up on the backs of the same familiar names. Look at the goal scorers last night. Nikita Kucherov on the breakaway on a gorgeous feed from Andre Palat to spring him. Steven Stamkos comes up with a huge insurance goal in the third period. Victor Hedman was all over the rink, reminding everybody that he is, in fact, better than Adam Fox and better than most defensemen in this league, not named Kale McCarr. And in the back was Andre Vasilevsky, who overcame a somewhat sluggish start to this series and ended up giving up only three goals in the two games down in Tampa. Same names, same stars, same core that led to those back-to-back cups. And that's where it gets dicey for me 
as to how it would have gone between Pittsburgh and Tampa. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Good time for an obligatory disclaimer. Everything that I'm discussing in this particular episode is hypothetical with the exception of the result of the game played last night in Tampa. Are we clear on that? I'm not trying to suggest that the Penguins absolutely unequivocally would have been all these things that I'm describing. I'm I'm having some fun here, okay? Where the Bolts are concerned, Penguins versus Bolts, I saw and you saw and everyone saw how that matchup went in the regular season. I'm not sure any of us could completely understand it, but we did see it. And the Penguins system, for whatever reason, really seemed to fluster the Tampa Bay players and, for that matter, Tampa Bay's head coach, John Cooper, who sounded really out of sorts, which isn't all that much like him, after those bad, bad losses to the Penguins. In my experience in covering sports, coaches and managers will only sound like that if A, their players just didn't try very hard, or B, they got out coached. Something happened schematically that they weren't prepared for. And when you saw the raw number of goals that the Penguins scored, when you saw how the Penguins were so in the Lightning's faces at every turn, it sure looked like something systemic was having a major impact on the proceedings. My expectation, reminding that this is hypothetical, is that the Penguins in the Lightning would have been one heck of a series. You would have had two recent two-time Stanley Cup champs going head-to-head. You would have had pretty much the same number of core stars on either side. Certainly would have been some major injury on the Pittsburgh roster to counterweight Braden Point being out for the Lightning. And it would have been a really, really good series. Can we know who would have won? Heck no, of course not. But could the Penguins have won the East had they finished the job against the Rangers? Yes, no question. Could they have gotten past the Hurricanes? That might have been a little bit more of a challenge than the Rangers, but the Hurricanes... Same shortcoming against the Rangers would have been in play against the Penguins, and that's that they didn't have any goaltending. Antiranto is not very good in that second round for Carolina. Now, I'm saying all this, and if you think my next step would be to suggest that the Penguins could have won the Stanley Cup this summer, the answer to that is a hell no, because no one is beating the Avalanche. That team is so stacked, so talented, so deep, so everything other than Darcy Kemper in goal that Kemper doesn't even matter. Kemper's going to give up goals in the final, too, and it won't matter because the Avs will just say, 
oh, so we didn't win 3 nothing like we did in Game 2 against the Oilers? Well, we'll just beat them 6-5 to five in overtime like we did in Game 4. There's just too much there. This has always been Colorado's year. So please don't mistake what I'm saying here as some sort of prediction that the Penguins could have won it all. No, no, no. That was going to be the abs from beginning to end. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Frank Falatico, who asks, How much influence do Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle have now as minority owners with the Penguins? The best way that I can answer this right now, Frank, before the Fenway Sports Group and Tom Werner make any real significant ownership-level move is this. As much as they want to, nah. Here's what I mean by that. Mario is not as married to the concept of being involved in day-to-day operations as I think some folklore often suggests. Mario is quite content with his private life, always has been. Mario keeps himself in his own way, busy, moving around, having fun, playing golf, doing all those Mario things, in addition to, of course, working with Natalie to help maintain the Mario Lemieux Foundation and all the excellent work that they do. There isn't a side to Mario that champs at the bit to being in the offices at PPG Paints Arena trying to say, what about this? What about this? And have we signed Gino yet? Have we signed Tanger yet? That wasn't him when he was the main guy. And for that matter, that wasn't Burkle when Burkle was the co-owner. They were both involved. They were both invested. And I use that word not just in the financial sense. But they only became hands-on when things weren't going all that great. Such as, of course, and most notably, through that entire tenure of the ownership group, whenever Ray Shiro and Dan Bilesma started really kind of losing it a little bit. That required a stern, steady hand, and both of them were there firsthand to provide it. Now, if there was something now, if there was something pressing now, and I don't believe that the Malkin slash Latang contracts qualify, And if Mario really, really, really wanted to make his voice heard, he'd have an easy time of that. This man is the most E.F. Hutton figure in city history. Meaning that if he even whispers something, people like me, and then in turn people like you, come running. We can't wait to hear what he says. It's so rare that he speaks, at least publicly. Mario wanted to do something if he wanted to talk, say, after some charity golf event. And he's done that before. And we're all standing there in the grass waiting for him. I'm talking about after his retirement. And he wanted to comment on something related to the Penguins. 
which we would inevitably bring up so he wouldn't have to, he could find a way to say whatever he wants. That would make it to Werner and the FSG people in about 0.0066 seconds. But again, I don't want to pop anybody's balloon here as far as you know fantasy land and how they think of Mario as sitting around and fretting over the Penguins day and night. He never did that. He never did that. Loves the franchise with all his heart. He's obviously committed for all his life, but he also lives his life. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will do another one tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.